Thank you you're here today. Thank you for the activation. That this is a people who's on call. It's like when I was uh, serving in Operation Iraqi Freedom, when they call Redcon 1, you're ready in about 45 seconds. And so you're like a special team up here, and the Lord is going to call on you And when he calls on you, you will answer. And the flip side of that is, when you call on him, he's gonna answer. And so Lord, I thank you that this is an on-call people, and that when they call on you, nations are gonna shift. And so, you know, as I sought the Lord about what he wanted me to share this morning, First thing I saw was Genesis 28, House of Prayer. So that you picked that song this morning, I thought was really important. But um, as I saw it more, House of Prayer became part five of the message. (laughs) Because what the Lord really, I felt was on his heart, was to lay out the times. So I would call this message, Knowing and Engaging with the Times. And so there's a series of things... I felt like part of this message is called to be teaching and part of this message is more like a security briefing, like a kingdom of heaven security briefing. And so I I wanna be obedient to the Lord and the things he laid out for me. So first, if we're gonna know and engage with the times, I think we need a big picture, biblical worldview of the times, right? So which brings me to Charles Dickens. We'll get to scripture in a second. But first, I I just want to read the first paragraph of Tale of Two Cities because I've heard both sides preached. I've heard end times, it's scary. We're going to have to go hide in cabins in the woods. Um, It's going to be devastating and awful and dark. And I've heard people say, this is going to be glory greater than the book of Acts. It's going to be a harvest beyond comprehension. Even the first wave of harvest is going to be like, they'll think it's the end, but it's only the 11th hour workers, and then it's going to get even better. But I think the first paragraph of Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens summarizes the times we're in. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the Epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. We had everything before us, we had nothing before us. Now, how can all this be true at once? Because it depends on which kingdom you're connected to. You're either connected to a kingdom that, is, that can be shaken or you're connected to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So one of the reasons the end times is like this two-sided coin is there are two kingdoms coming to a place of maturity. Now, when we talk about the end times, the end times is a two-sided coin. And depending on what stream someone is in in the body of Christ in America, they generally will only hear about one side of the coin. 
So, you know, there's the side marked shaking and judgment. And there's one camp and there's many streams that really emphasize what Jesus warned about in Matthew 24 and, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and mystery Babylon and, and many of the more scary kinds of end times shaking and judgment on the earth that we can expect. And the problem is, if that's the only side of the coin you can see, then you'll be given to fear and conspiracy theory and have an unhealthy view, and your faith for breakthrough will not be active. Because you'll feel more like a victim. Like, why was I born this time? And then the flip side of the coin, there are streams, and they are accurately also searching the scripture, and they're looking at passages like Daniel 12, where it talks about these shining ones who shine with the brightness of the heavens. And, you know, they'll talk about 2 Corinthians 3, how, you know, before the end comes, we're going to walk in a glory greater than that of Moses in Revelation 7. And there's going to be a great multitude beyond what anyone can count. But the problem is some of these streams don't adequately warn people. It's all tulips and buttercups, <laughs> right? So we need, those are both immature perspectives because they're partial, we want a mature perspective where we understand not only are there two sides to the coin of the times we're in, but they actually fit together like a hand in glove. The times of shaking, God actually uses to bring the body of Christ out of complacency and into end times glory. And he actually is gonna use the greater shaking not only in our nation, but in many nations around the world, to bring forth the harvest. Um, if, if you've ever looked at how they harvest olive trees, I saw one where they, they now use machines for this, and the machine violently shakes the tree, and all the fruit comes out. And so, you see, God loves us enough. He shakes us up to wake us up. If my house was on fire and my boys were at risk of, of burning or being harmed or injured, and I can't carry both of them at the same time, they're too big now. As a loving father, I would shake them till they woke up. I'd scream till they woke up. Get up, get out of the house. And so I'm telling you, there are many kinds of shaking happening in America and in the nations that are not God's wrath, anger, and judgment. There are God's redemptive judgments, and redemptive judgments are actually designed as a setup for revival and harvest. And so we have to have, so immature perspective sees one side of this coin, either the good or the bad, and is blind or even critical of the other side. A mature perspective sees both sides, a prophetic perspective discerns how both sides work together and when and where these things are manifesting. So we're called to have more than just a general sense of the times we're in. We're called to know this is happening at X place, at X time, and here's the prayer you need to pray. And when you pray this prayer, this is gonna happen. The Lord wants to give us specificity with spiritual intelligence. What do I mean by spiritual intelligence? Accurate revelation from heaven. 
Because we all know how to generally pray according to how Jesus taught us to pray in Luke 11 with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Hey, if you're not getting specific revelation, pray as the Holy Spirit in your heart leads. That's good too. But I'm telling you, there's a level of faith and confidence that comes with the prophetic where it's like the prayer is the incense. When you bring in the prophetic, it's like you light that incense on fire and now you have a cloud of smoke. And I'm telling you, the Lord wants to really add fire to, you've laid out a lot of incense here. Get ready for more fire. And a lot of that fire is coming in the form of prophetic discernment. Now, I like to back up anything I teach with the word, because that's how we stay on the narrow path, right? So I, let's go to Isaiah 60, and let's look for both sides of the coin here. You have to forgive me, I've gone to readers now because I left my big print Bibles or regular print Bibles at my office, so I have this itty bitty tiny, it's like seven point font. So here we go, Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Now, I'll just say, like even with Israel, right? We're all concerned and praying about the war there are already amazing things God has done in a redemptive purpose through the war. Israel was at, in one of the worst cultural and political moments of division it's ever had in its history. Extremely divided. They were having protests, major protests, and not quite riots, but huge protests in all of their cities. They're now united as never before. God designed it that way. We have to be looking, not just at what the enemy's doing. Now, if you've ever looked at jujitsu, like you use what your enemy does against him so that not a single movement is wasted and you don't even expend your own energy. You, you let him wear himself out. God's gonna let the enemy wear himself out on Israel. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Now, let me talk about this a second. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. We often think about God's glory and salvation and sanctification and prophetic gifting. All of these biblical concepts we often think about in a dichotomy way, like a, um, like a light switch that's either on or it's off. Flip the switch on, you got light. Flip the switch off, it's dark. And I'm telling you, when we're talking about the glory of the Lord, or we're talking about spiritual gifts, or we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not just you either got it or you don't, it's how much of it do you have. So if you look at the glory dial as like one to 10, and maybe when Moses is coming off the mountain shining with a visible radiance, that's like a three on God's scale. Well, here, when it's saying the glory will rise on you, there is a glory, and if you've been watching the seven feast course with Chris, you'll start to understand this with tabernacles, but there's a glory coming where even Moses and Elijah had like a three or four, and God's about to crank it up to 11 on us, okay? Hallelujah. We have to understand 
the level of power and authority and glory that God wants to bring. If we understood that, then when we, that's why Jesus said, hey, when you see these things unfolding, lift up your head and rejoice. Because when you start to see the shaking, that means that greater glory is right around the corner. All right, verse two. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light in kings to the brightness of your dawn. Now notice there's two things rising here. The light of the Lord is rising and the glory of the Lord is rising. And those two go together. The light, we actually need biblical teaching and biblical blueprints for the things God wants to do. He's gonna start doing things that are not very well precedented in either biblical history or church history. He's gonna do things that seem to go a little beyond our envelope and beyond what we have come to accept as normal Christianity. We're gonna to come to the place where like raising the dead becomes normal. Even translation becomes normal. And we're gonna step into a whole new realm where we are operating as this manifest sons of God. The doing the greater works. Okay, Haggai 2, I'll just summarize this one. Now, I'll just point out Isaiah 60, you see both sides of the coin. Deep darkness on one side, rising light and glory on the other side. So the real question is, which side are you connected to? You know, and in the book of Revelation, there's two cities coming to maturity at the same time. Mystery Babylon, there is a global system of darkness driven by godless ideology. And the flow of our culture right now, mainstream culture, is towards Mystery Babylon. And I don't, I'm not going to get into today because I'm teaching on something else, but the ideologies being taught at our schools is indoctrinating people into another system. So that's one side. The other city, see, the New Jerusalem, it's not just a present physical future or a physical future reality when the Lord re restores heaven and earth. It's also, Paul tells us in Hebrews 12, you have already come to the heavenly Zion. You've already come to multitudes of angels and the spirits of righteous men made perfect and the voice speaking a better word. That means right now, as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven, you are connected to a kingdom that can't be shaken. You are connected as a living stone to all the other living stones, and in the midst of those living stones is the Lord in the center. That's the pattern, that's the blueprint. And you're, every day you're either becoming more and more a part of this system of darkness and godlessness, or more and more a part of this system of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, as we get into the end times, um, I think we need to plan for a marathon, not a sprint. Now this was back in 2015, I, I like to get my workouts in because that's part of my way of preparing for what's coming too. So I was up at 4.30 in the morning, getting ready to go to the gym, 
It was, the sun was just hadn't come up just yet, but it was twilight. And I walk out my front door and the Lord says to me, I did a rod. I did a rod. And I, I had no idea what that meant. I had to go look it up. Well, I did a rod is an Alaskan dog sled race that takes place, uh, uh, it's, it's generally around a thousand mile race through frozen lakes, tundras, mountains, sub-zero temperatures, heavy winds, blizzards, deadly cold. And what the Lord began to speak to me is like those dogs that are harnessed together, fed vast quantities of meat, listening to the voice of their master, that we're going to have to learn to navigate challenge after challenge over decades before the return of Christ. But he spoke to me a few things. Number one, those dogs are harnessed together with strong cords that can't be broken. Do you know the mark of a mature believer, according to John 17 and according to Ephesians 4, Number one, they begin to look a lot more like Jesus, Christ-likeness, full stature. But number two, they, there's unity between saints manifested. That's the mark of spiritual maturity. When you're spiritually mature, you know better than to get into gossip or slander. You know better than to get into factions and divisions. Because you have, as someone who's spiritually mature, you've learned to, when you have conflict, look into someone and see them the way Jesus sees them and love them the way the Father loves them. So the, one of the markers of the mature bridal company is they're going to be eating the meat. See, dogs have to eat mass quantities of protein to make this race work. And so the Lord, the overcomers, he's going to raise up. They're going to complete the race. They're not just going to be trained on the milk. They're going to be trained on the meat. They're going to be able to handle the deeper mysteries of God. And they're not going to run in isolation. Amen. You know what happens if a dog tries to run the Iditarod in isolation? Frozen doggy. We don't want any frozen doggies. We don't want you outside the pack. Find who you're called to run with and begin to build cords of unity and love and brotherhood and sisterhood. And here's a little secret to that with Psalm 133. When you come into that unity, the anointing increases exponentially. Now, funny story, three years ago when I was uh, teaching at CSCL, uh, which is uh, morning size K through 12 school down in Fort Mill. I went as a chaperone on our Alaska trip. And I just happened to stay in Wasilla. And it just happened to be one mile from the uh, Iditarod Museum. And so I thought, well, the Lord gave me this revelation about it, and I'm a mile away. I think I better go check it out, because obviously he wants me to notice something here. And I did learn some things. There's a documentary video they show you at the museum, and they point some things out. And so I just want to highlight two things. Um, one is the sled dogs 
their particular breed is born to do this. They actually don't have to train the puppies how to carry the weight of the harness or push against it when they run. As soon as they put the harness on, they know what to do because it's in their DNA. And so there's a thrill and a joy the dogs get out of running and pulling that weight. They're designed for it. And this is important because others have said, it's cruel and inhumane to make the dogs do this. That's animal cruelty. No, they're having the time of their lives. And so there is a company of champions and overcomers called to these times. And you'll know you're one of those company if you start to get excited when you see things unfold. If when stuff unfolds, you start to look for the purpose in it. Now, you know, we can all see the same facts on the ground, but some can have a good report, some can have an evil report. This is what I call the war of perspective. See, the 10 spies, they had an evil report because they said of themselves, we're just grasshoppers next to these giants. We're nothing, we're insignificant, and there's no way we're gonna win. Okay, they're dealing with the facts on the ground, but see, their perspective totally cut God out of the picture. It's us alone against the enemy, and that's a losing strategy. Joshua and Caleb had a good report, and um, they were dealing with the exact same set of facts that 10 spies were, but they had God in the equation. So they said of the enemies, uh, they're gonna be bread for us. We're gonna eat them for lunch. They were dealing with the exact same set of facts. They had seen the exact same things. But see, they had, they understood one plus God makes a majority. They understood with God all things are possible. That is essential. You have to, and I think a lot of this comes from, this is later in my notes, but I'll just pull it out now. Um, we either are, understand the promises of the apostolic gospel of Jesus Christ or we have a religious spirit. You are far more likely to have a defeatist mentality if you think any breakthrough is based on how hard you work or how loud you get or whatever. See, all of our blessings from the end of the curse of the fall, our salvation, our healing, restoration of creation, restoration of society, everything we hope for and believe for and expect in the restoration of all things, it all flows from the finished works of Jesus Christ through his death, resurrection, ascension, enthronement, and return. And that's a full mouthful. But see, I think we gotta go beyond just studying the death and resurrection. How often do we meditate on him being ascended and enthroned in glory and holding everything together by the word of his power in ministering as our high priest along with us? And that brings me to the last point of Iditarod. The master 
developed a deep and intimate relationship with every dog. And these dog sled folks, they get so bonded to their dogs that many of them have retirement homes of like 200, 300 dogs on their property. Now, property is cheaper in up there, but you know, dog food probably isn't cheaper. But they care deeply. And so it's not just about us hearing the voice of the master when he says, mush. That's how they tell their dogs to go, I think. But no one laughed at my mush, but that's okay. Um, but see, it, we have to understand the deep, deep personal love of the Lord Jesus Christ for every single one of us. And it's good to know the cloud of witnesses is cheering you on, but do you know Jesus personally is cheering you on? Do you know he personally is rooting for you? All right. Um, now I want to get into a little more specific uh, revelation about the times. But before we talk about Israel in the Middle East, I want to turn to Psalm chapter 87. And there's a specific reason I feel to cover this psalm today. It is a very strong cultural current. It's hard to fight the, the idea that the Middle East is a mess and it's always going to be a mess. And in our eschatology, uh, when a lot of people they're presenting their eschatology again, it's the Middle East is a mess and it's always going to be a mess. To the point no one even likes to talk about it. Oh, I don't want to talk about that mess. And I want to let you know that when the scriptures tell us in Revelation 7, 9, there will be a great multitude beyond what everyone can count from every tribe, tongue, language, and people. All of the nations, including the Islamic nations, are included in that. Not because all roads lead to heaven, but because there's a revival happening. Does anyone remember the 1040 window in the 1990s? I believe it was Lewis Bush started this movement. I think it was 93. And it wasn't until sustained prayer from throughout the Christian world happened for the 1040 window that the man in white started to show up. And daily in Iraq, in Iran, the man in white, that's Jesus, shows up, there's about, still to this day, about 10,000 a day coming to the Lord in Iran just through supernatural encounters the way Paul did. There's a deep Christian history in a lot of these places, like Egypt. And so we have to understand, see, a lot of what we are just accepting as the way it is in the Middle East is we're accepting the enemy's plans. So I want to share with you something you may or may not have heard before from Psalm 87. It says, he has set his foundation on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, O city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. Philistia too and Tyre along with Cush and will say, this one was born in Zion. Now verse 4 these are poetic names in scripture that refer to specific nation states today. 
Rahab is a poetic name for Egypt. Babylon corresponds to modern-day Iraq. Philistia, we know what that corresponds to. Um, Tyre, we're, we're talking areas that like uh, Syria and Jordan. Along with Kushia, we're talking North Africa. So one of the ways the Lord is going to bring glory to his people is to completely save nations in the Middle East. Now, let's read on because it gets better. Indeed, of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. There's no time in history where you can say Iraq was born in Israel. What? Iraq was born in Zion. Syria was born in Zion. No, they're at war right now. What it's prophesying in this ancient text is that there is going to be such a move of God in the Middle East that Islamic nations are going to repent of Islam and actually become Christian nations. Uh, and I'll tell you, some of what's going to happen in the end times is goat nations are going to go to the other side of the Lord and become sheep nations. Now, it, then it goes on to say, and the Most High himself will establish her. Okay, so establish her, that's talking about security. Would Israel be more secure if it was surrounded with Middle Eastern Christian nations? I think so too. The Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. So there are going to be so many people saved out of these different Middle Eastern nations that the Lord is going to be able to write in a book in heaven, Iraq was saved. Iran was saved. Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt were saved. And I believe even the Arab Spring, which started to happen under President Obama, where you had millions of youth throughout the Middle East uh, protesting. Does anyone remember this? Seeking to overthrow governments. And it wasn't yet time for the total switchover to these are now Christian nations where the kingdom of heaven is advancing, but it was a precursor. Because the older mullahs and those who kept people in bondage, they have an expiration date called death. And there's a lot of these older mullahs and older generations and older imams that have held folks in bondage. And some of them, when they die, the principality is going to crumble. Others, the Lord is just going to shout over the nation and he's going to bring revival. So I think it's important to have a vision of hope in your back pocket before I share some of what I'm about to share. Um, Rick Joyner came to MSU, and I didn't even mention this, but I have the privilege of leading MSU in the well, Morningstar University in this season. Um, so the main thing, two things I'm doing is leading MSU and leaving, leading Morningstar Journal News, or MSJN. Um, so anyways, Rick came and taught this week, and he began by sharing a dream, which I privately heard him share as early as 2018 in detail. But I'm just going to give you the bullet points. I will tell you, if I can take the liberty of adding to Pastor David's watch list, watch list, 
for this coming week. Um, there's about a 10 minute video for free on Morning Star TV, and it's where Rick shares this dream, but I'm just going to summarize it. So, in the dream, first, he sees Hamas firing rockets into Israel and attacking Israel. That's part one of the dream. Part two is where Hezbollah rockets are launched at Israel. And these are even more dangerous potentially because they have better military technology. Most of the Hamas rockets, you know what they're made out of? The water pipes we bought them. We gave all this financial aid to put in uh, a water system for Gaza. And the reason none of the people can get water and they're not even allowed to drill, is they want to use every single pipe that has been paid for with your tax dollars to build rockets to attack Israel. Side note, but it reveals the true spiritual nature of what's happening there. So part one was Hamas rockets, part two is Hezbollah rockets. Part three is not something I share with glee, it's something I share as a call to prayer. But part three, he saw a, what, what, what was called by the Lord the wicked city in Israel being hit with a nuclear strike. And what happened in part four of this dream is there was an understanding in Israel that the Lord had allowed this and there was mass repentance and turning to the Lord in Israel but this was also a global thing where around the globe, there was just this awakening and awareness that God is real, God has allowed this, and there was a wave of repentance around the world that happened in response to this. There's more details to the dream. If you just go to that video, you can do that kind of as homework this week. So I'm a teacher, so I gotta assign homework once in a while, right? So um, now, as soon as Rick shared this, I knew we have to get this video out right away as a warning so people can pray about it. And so we put it out as a cult to prayer. This is where it's helpful to have different hats. So then I put on my MSJN hat. I was like, okay, now MSJN is going to make a video. And so I was, I felt a burden from the Lord. So I stayed up to like 2.30 in the morning to produce this video. In our process with our media team, because we want to be good stewards of conferences and that sort of thing, is to just drop in a conference trailer at the end. It's 2.30 in the morning, drop in the conference trailer. I'm, watch, I'm just watching it through one more time. I happen to drop in the Vision conference trailer. As I get to the end of the trailer, which I had never seen before, the trailer ends with Chris Reed saying, it's time to prepare for war in 2024. And that is a, a phrase that was given to him by the Lord before this war broke out. But as he says it's time to prepare for war in 2024, there's a video of an urban landscape and a soldier standing on the road and there's an atomic blast that goes off over the landscape. So it's 2.30 in the morning. I've just produced this video because of the burden of the Lord and here is an image that is exactly what Rick prophesied. And I'll just say something. 
in our communications team, we try to avoid exaggeration and sensationalism and things that create fear. This is bizarre. We never put nuclear blasts in our commercials at Morningstar. This was a confirmation from the Lord, not so we can be in fear, but so that we can be watchmen on the wall. Now, I'll tell you that I had the sense when Rick shared that the reason it's urgent to stay up and get this out the very next day is that part two of the dream, Hezbollah attacking, is about to happen. This stuff, we're in a time of accelerated fulfillment. Some of what Rick prophesied way back in like 1987, it's now starting to happen. But the stuff Chris has prophesied or Rick has prophesied in the last year it's coming to pass, some of it, two or three days later. There's been some lower level incursions with Hezbollah that began happening the day after. And that started to amp up. Terrorism warnings. Um, Wednesday morning, no, this was also Tuesday morning, sorry. So Tuesday morning, I had a writing class. In my writing class, we write poetry. It's kind of creative and fun. I couldn't teach it because the Spirit of the Lord came on me and I started seeing things and prophesying. In the, one of the first things the Lord showed me, this was a really clear vision, I saw that, and, and I prophesied this uh, to the students, and it's not like me. Usually I'm the encouraging, let's access heaven guy, okay? But I started to prophesy, there are terror terrorists already in America and I saw them with cell phones and the Lord said they're waiting for the activation word. There's terrorists already in America. They're waiting for the activation word. Now here's what really freaked me out. This is a principle of confirmation. Some of these things I'm sharing Scripture says, let every matter be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And often when the Lord wants to really emphasize something or get you to notice something, he'll have not just multiple people prophesy, but things happen, like the trailer image I mentioned. So anyways, later that day, we had a staff chapel at Morningstar, and that's where just the staff are hearing from Morningstar leadership. And it was the first time I've heard Chris share this dream he had, which you'll hear about when you watch your homework, um, where he talks about, he saw, um, as goes Israel, so goes America. And just like they had terrorists come across the southern border, that we've had terror cells come across the southern border. And in, in the dream, he could monitor what's happening on his cell phone. There's a lot more detail he gives and so I'll let you watch that video because I have some other things I need to teach today. Um, just for pacing, sorry, what's my cutoff time today? When should I be done so people can have lunch? Okay, should I just keep going? Okay. Okay, so we're already kind of on high alert as a ministry because we're looking at Rick's dream. We're looking at the war itself. We're looking at... Um, these warnings about terrorism. And Wednesday night, so many of you have tuned into our Seven Feast course. You know, so I was staying at church to get ready for the Seven Feast course. Rochelle went home with the boys. 
And she's like, well, there's all these, there were media vehicles around the local school. When she got into our neighborhood, it was filled with emergency vehicles of all kinds. And there were helicopters circling above our house. I said, well, what's going on? There's a mysterious device. Well, where is it? Well, long story short, there was a bomb as the crow flies six houses away from my house. And this is right after getting all these warnings about terrorism. It's not clear exactly what it was, if it was an old shell someone had in their garage or if it was actually planted there. They shut down 15 schools. It was a top story. But it was six houses away. What the Lord spoke to me is what is about to happen is going to hit close to home, in quotes, close to home. Now, let me just couple that with the word for the vision conference, prepare for war. What's about to happen is going to hit close to home. There is a need to prepare. And there are specific things. Um, in, in his dream, what Chris saw was before there would be, you know, bombs would be like the very last thing. The first thing was he saw uh, brownouts and regional power outages as infrastructure comes under attack. Does anyone remember in North Carolina about a year ago an attack on a local power station with small arms fire? So I'm hearing him say this. I'm thinking, does he know that there's already been tests to see if this kind of stuff works? Also, very similar things in other places. California's had this happen a number of times where small arms fire is directed at the power plants. So let me just, we're going to get into house of prayer, but let me just say specific preparation, plan for brownouts and regional outages, whatever that means. Prepare for supply line disruptions, including in the food supply. And with the aim of corporate self-sufficiency, Book of Acts, they shared everything. I'm not saying let's become communists, but see, you might be really good at chickens and eggs. You might be a beekeeper. You might have a lot of pasture where you can grow a lot of things. Let's come together as a community and have a farmer's market on, you know, maybe it's sacrilege to have a farmer's market Sunday, so do it Saturday. I don't know. <laughs> um, alternate communication methods. I do believe not just from the power disruptions, but if you read Chris's 40 prophecies carefully, there are things that are like, whether it's a coronal mass ejection that knocks out some things, I think you wanna have alternate ways of communicating. It's as simple as this, with your family. Hey, if the grid goes down, let's all meet at this house. You know, or as a church, if there's a season where you can't hear from us the way you're used to, here's where and when we're gonna have meetings. Um, now, most important way of preparing, become the region of refuge and the house of prayer that you are called to become. See, when you become the house of prayer you're called to become, you become the salt and light you're called to become, and your reach ends up being like an umbrella over a region. Now, Hamas tried to take out the Iron Dome. They can't take out the Glory Dome. See, Isaiah 4 or 5, it talks about in the last days, that, um, Isaiah 4, 
It talks about, and over all the glory will be a canopy or dome or hoopah. See, there is a supernatural force field of protection described in Psalm 91, Isaiah 4, 5, other things. And see, that's conditional. You don't get it automatically as a believer. You don't automatically get protection. Did you know that? It's conditional because it's only for those who make the Lord their refuge. They're choosing. See, you can be a believer, but live really far from the Lord with your heart, really far from the Lord, and you invest all of your time and energy and effort in carnal things. And you'll still be saved, but you're missing out a ton of, of, on a ton of benefits. You're missing out on intimacy. You're missing out on unity with the saints. You're missing out on a higher level of healing and productivity and joy in your life. But you're also missing out on a higher degree of God's protection. See, it says, if you make the Lord your refuge, then you get all those other benefits. What did Jesus say? It's real simple. Abide in me, then I will abide in you, then you'll bear much fruit. See, you got to choose to abide in him. It doesn't come automatically. It's a choice. Just like Rochelle and I are married, I choose to stay at home. It would be a problem if we're married legally, but I'm never home. I'm in some other state all the time. That's a problem. There's people that are, they're giving their lives to the Lord, but they never are with him, ever. Okay. Genesis 28. There's this blueprint for the house of the Lord. Can I walk around a little bit? Is that allowed? Genesis 28, there's this blueprint from the, for the house of the Lord. Bethel, Bethel, it means house of God. And Jacob falls asleep, and he has a dream of an open heaven portal and the ladder going up and down into that portal. I, it did not escape me that you have the cross in front of a ladder on both sides here. And he sees the Malachim going up and down the ladder and in and out of the portals. So it's kind of two things, up and down, in and out. Malachim means messengers in Hebrew. It doesn't mean angels. It's often translated angels. But see, this is the root of what we call the spiritual Zion, the Lord's pattern for how his city is meant to function. Open heaven, up and down, in and out. What did Jesus say in John 10? My sheep will go in and out and find pasture. See, the gospel doesn't just include your salvation and forgiveness, nor does it just include your physical healing or your future resurrection. The gospel also includes your spiritual position in Christ. When you are saved, you are positioned with Christ in heavenly places. When you're saved, you are now hidden with God in Christ, Colossians 3.3. 3. When you're saved, you're now placed and connected to spiritual Zion. Now, as a believer, forgiveness is a free gift. 
But you still have to respond to the Lord and repent in order to open the gift. See, as a believer, physical healing is a free gift. But see, sometimes you got to petition the Lord, and sometimes you actually got to call the elders to pray and anoint with oil. Sometimes you got to humble yourself and ask someone else to pray for you. Now, here's the thing. Your spiritual position in Christ is in the heavenly realms. Now, you are a two-part person. You're a spirit who lives in a body, dust and breath in Genesis. People might say, well, I don't feel spiritual. I'm not as spiritual as this other person. Really? Because you're a spirit who lives in a body. You know how I know that? Because if your spirit wasn't in your body, you'd be a corpse. <laughs> oh, good, I got some laughter on that one. Okay, so... Um, we, just like we have to repent in order to receive the Lord's forgiveness, we have to pray or ask for prayer for healing to get healed. In order to take advantage of your spiritual position, you gotta come through the door. The door is Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's been all kinds of courts of heaven teaching. You gotta go through this court and that court and present all your prayers in this certain way, and eventually you'll get up to breakthrough. Uh, no, false teaching. Here, here's how you enter in. This is how I enter in. Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. I'm there, inches away from the Father in heaven. Now, my body might be sitting in this room on a chair or in my car driving while I pray. My body's there, but guess what? My spirit's bigger than my body. My spirit, my body's driving, my spirit's in heaven, inches away from the face of the Father. And here's how you know that you're dealing with heavenly access. How many of you feel the peace of the Lord come and flood in when you're praying? How many of you feel revelation start to come when you're praying? Insight, unction on your prayer. Well, that's because your spirit went somewhere. Your spirit is connecting to the Father in heaven. When Jesus says in John 17, he says, Father, I pray they will be with me where I am. He didn't say be with me where I will be. With me where I am. Well, where was he? Same place he was his entire ministry. Union with the Father in heaven. See, Jesus' entire life was lived doing and saying what he saw the Father doing. Why? Because he was constantly beholding the Father, drinking in his love and his wisdom and his compassion for other people and his truth and all this. And he'd drink it in. And then when he preached, he'd spit it up. See, you're invited into the same kind of intimate, loving union with God the Father that Jesus enjoyed for his entire ministry. We, people ask what spiritual maturity is. It doesn't mean you think you know everything. That's, not, that's, called, that's pride, not maturity. Spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness. It is being like the Lord, learning to love the way he loves the Father, learning to love people the way he loves people, learning to pray the way he prayed, having the confidence that the Holy Spirit is with you and is gonna back you up and so that you can move in power the way he did. Christ-likeness 
is what we're after. Now, this Genesis 28 portal, Jacob wakes up from the dream after seeing the angels going up and down the ladder and he says, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I was not even aware of it. This is none other than the house of God. Put an equal sign here. The house of God equals the gateway of heaven. Gate of heaven. The place God now, if it's God's house, where does he live? Where do you live? <laughs> in your house. God lives in his house. And where God lives, there's an open door for God to move. Here's what Jesus said, referencing Genesis 28. I always, you know, John G. Lake said, the, word, the red letters are the Supreme Court of Doctrine. So if Jesus didn't ever say anything about it, it wasn't that important. Um, John 1.51, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven opened, that's our open heaven part of the blueprint, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is why I love the cross over the ladder here. Because that's what he's saying. There's something critical to understand here. I'm going to point out some other false teaching. There's all kinds of people out there that say, listen, you better get all your ducks in a row. God's glory is coming. He's just going to strike you dead. He's just going to mess you up. If you don't get holy first, and not only that, God won't even come unless you make yourself holy first. And I believe that banner. You shall be holy as I am holy. 100%. But you know where the root of our holiness is not self-effort. It's not toil. It's not a religious spirit. It's not religious pride in what we've done or said. The root of holiness is the blood of Jesus Christ. How do they wash your robes and make them white? In the blood of Jesus Christ. When we wash in the blood, we're immediately declared perfect. That's called justification. And then, lifelong process, sanctification. See, we're considered perfect by God as we're being made perfect. Now, I'll give you the shortcut. The spirit of holiness already lives in you. I had teenagers years ago when I was teaching at high school, and they said, Mr. Ficus... Teach us how to hear the voice of the Lord. And I have like lessons on that I can pull out and different things I can talk about and like how to get quiet and wait on the Lord. And what, what the Holy Spirit told me is tell them to live with a clean conscience. That's all this particular group needs. And I said, listen, he's already so close to you. His whisper is right there. But many of you have a conscience where you haven't repented and cleaned your conscience. And the Lord is already telling you to do things and you're not obeying. So you're starting to harden up your conscience. I said, this is real easy. You let the spirit of holiness clean up your conscience and you resolve to obey what you're already hearing. You're going to have crystal clear, confident hearing. Genesis 28. 
John 151, see the Lord wants to establish an open heaven. Um, I had this encounter, I think this was 2017, with, uh, I call them beehive angels. And it was the time in the spring where typically honeybees swarm. And the Lord, I saw this multitude of angels, just like a honeybee swarm can be thousands and thousands. I saw many thousands of angels that were swarmed together. And the Lord said, these beehive angels are looking for a place to set up shop and make the honey, which is my glory. And they're looking for a place where all of the saints are like flowers who turn their faces towards the sun, S-O-N, and they're practicing the bee attitudes. And it was like there was all of this multitude of house of prayer angels and they, but they, here's the thing about angels. They're looking for us to have our soul focus on Jesus. Here's the thing. When you build a house of prayer, you're building an altar. Right? If you want your sacrifice on that altar to be accepted, don't do it the way Cain did. Cain offered the fruit of his toil the fruit of his garden. I have a garden, I like it, but I'm not gonna put that on the altar. That's just for me to have fun. But see, I know it was toil because the ground was cursed before he grew any of that stuff. By sweat of your brow will you bring forth fruit from the earth. There's nothing worse than a house of prayer that's rooted in toil and sweat. That is not what the Lord wants or requires or calls you to do. Not only that, despite all the sweat and hard work, it will not be acceptable to the Lord. Here's what he's looking for. Abel's sacrifice, the lamb. All those flowers, their faces turned towards the sun so they can grow and have light. The blueprint for the new Jerusalem the lamp at the center of the city is the lamb. All those living stones, they would all be dark crystals. There's 12 kinds of crystals. That's what that city's made out of. It's the light that makes them all shine, all these different colors, and vibrate and make harmonious sound. So here's the thing. When the Lord steps in, Whoa, take over, direct us. We'll just go wherever you want. Now there's total life and light and love in the house and all things have suddenly become possible and in reach. See, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Do you know there's some people that are like, we're good, Lord, we got this one covered, we're working hard. <laughs> no, here's the right response. Oh my goodness, come in, we've been waiting for you. We're a mess. It's okay. He wants to step in to a much higher degree. Okay. Oh, this is crazy. So when I was having this revelation, it was within the same week, 
a swarm of bees came into the building of Morningstar at, at the Fort Mill campus. And that's also around when I became a beekeeper was to be, I felt like act out this word prophetically. Okay, there's one more really important thing I want to hit. Um, okay, I'm just thinking about how to describe this because some of these are complex ideas, but they're biblical ideas. So I'll just say this. Um, I had a dream involving Jacob's Ladder some time ago. And these rungs were lighting up with bright light, okay? Now, here's the thing I want to say about a ladder. If you're climbing a ladder, there's a higher rung you're reaching for. And as you go up the ladder, there's a point at which you've never touched that higher rung until now, right? But see, what will happen is you go higher up the ladder... Now, what you were, had just touched for the first time, now it's kind of become what you're standing on. It's your foundation. Yeah. Speaking of standing on, I better be careful on that lip there. <laughs> <laughs> and so one thing the Lord showed me is we need to start learning to get comfortable with operating at the higher levels so he can bring us even higher levels. So here's what I mean. I think we need to get used to physical healing happening when we pray. We need to get used to when we pray and agree, financial breakthroughs happen. We need to get used to when we pray and agree, the news changes based on our prayers. And we need to get used to that because there's a higher level he wants us to bring to of total effectiveness in our prayers as a community. And so he wants to build our faith and confidence, and it's like, it's like physical training. Maybe you start out, you can bench 80 pounds, but as you keep working at it, you add weight, you add weight, and then pretty soon it's not a big deal to do 180, right? So the Lord wants to build us up in the most holy faith. Because ultimately, he doesn't just want us to pray for breakthrough in our individual families or in this church. He doesn't just even want you to be a covering and a blessing for this region. The Lord wants to raise up regions of refuge and even sheep nations around the earth. And he wants you to be part of what brings the lightning down to literally change history and raise up places of refuge around the earth. Now, we've referenced shaking and judgment, but when Jesus says in Matthew 24, there will be shaking or there will be earthquakes in diverse places, to me, that says the shaking isn't going to happen the same everywhere. Because I'll tell you what, no matter what is about to unfold on the earth, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those promises and who he is as my healer and the promises of healing, they, didn't exp they don't expire when a pandemic breaks out. That's right. The promises of divine protection 
and the Lord is my shield and the glory of the lifter of my head, those don't expire because there's a warning about terrorism or even an activation of terrorists. And in places where the New Jerusalem, because two cities being built at the same time, in places where the New Jerusalem is being planted on the earth and the kingdom of heaven is advancing on the earth, that is not gonna be impacted by what's happening as much as other things. There is a very large seismic shift that started to happen with COVID. COVID was the biggest year, 2020, biggest year for interstate migration in over 70 years. And the reason is, there are places that are opening up gates of hell. Portland opened up a gate of hell to riots and fire and burning to the point the whole state caught on fire with forest fires that year because they opened up a gate. There's other places that are going to open up the gate of heaven over their region and they're going to start to operate in the powers of the age to come. It'll be stuff like only people are going to do in heaven. They're going to start to do in this life. And I want to remind you, it's very interesting to me, because when you go ahead and listen to Chris's word, he says the Lord showed him 12 areas where these terror cells, covert terror cells may be operating. That's an interesting number, because three different prophets, including Rick Joyner and Bob Jones, prophesied 12 regions of refuge. It's a tale of two cities. It's the best of times in this region. It's the worst of times over here. And I think the day's coming where we're going to see missionaries being sent out from one part of America to another part of America. Now, uh, I want uh, one thing the Lord showed me this morning in the worship. This was actually the only thing I saw in the worship. I saw a vast tunnel. I was looking up and it was like I was at the bottom of a well and I could see blue sky at the top so it was an open heaven. And instead of rocks all around the tunnel, it was massive. It was just as massive like I'm at the bottom of a well. And they were all angels seated all around this like in a spiral and they were just waiting to be activated. There was a couple really big ones that were being activated, and their names were Council and Power. And so I want to teach briefly on this, and then it's lunchtime. <laughs> Psalm 122. Now, of course, Council and Power, this reference is Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, and the sevenfold Spirit of God. So this is an expression of the Holy Spirit as well. And we know that when we walk in the Father's counsel and we do what he shows us to do, his power is released. That's counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L. But then there's also the spirit of counsel, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, which is elders at the gate counsel. When we sit together in counsel with one another, what does it say? We have the mind of Christ, spirit of counsel. Interpersonal prophetic ministry, 1 Corinthians 14. While 
One is prophesying, two or three judge. They're operating in the spirit of counsel, discerning what one another say, so they come to consensus. When I was sharing about terrorism, right, I'm sharing multiple words because we want to arrive at a consensus, spirit of counsel type thing. When you are operating in the house of prayer reality, very important to empower everyone to speak, but also judge what's being said and come to consensus so you can pray in agreement. So counsel empowered. Let's go to Psalm 122. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That means we're going up. We're gonna go up into the heavenlies together today. That's what we should say when we start every prayer meeting. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. So here it's talking about the body of Christ in unity or us in unity. That is where the tribes go up. If you want to go up, you want to ascend with the Lord, I guess you need to be in unity. Division does not set us up for encounter. To praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. Verse five, there the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones for the house of David. Plural thrones for the house of David. Wait, I thought David was one guy. But there's multiple thrones for judgment. I want you to imagine David on a slightly higher throne in a circle of elders and advisors and tribal leaders who are waiting on his word, waiting what he will, on what he will say so that they can then execute and share his word with their individual sphere of influence, right? So just like these elders or tribal leaders, they would look up to David, who's on a higher throne, hear him, And if he's saying go to war, guess what? They're all gonna execute that word together in unity. If he's saying let's go plant apple orchards, then that's what they're gonna do. They're there to do David's bidding. So the thrones are not for executing their own will, it's for executing his will. This is a blueprint in heaven, 24 elders. It's interesting in Daniel 7, 9, there's a river of fire flowing from the throne. Books are opened. But there's not just one throne. Daniel 7, 9, thrones plural are set in place when the books are opened. Do you mean God intends us to govern with him? Govern with him? The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given into the hands of the sons of men. He gave us dominion. The only way the kingdom of heaven expands on earth is through us. Now, God has chosen to limit himself. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's chosen to say, this is your responsibility. Revelation 3.21, and I think we'll end here. 
Now, this is the Laodicean church. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with the Father on his throne. Okay, that's crazy. Not only have we been crucified with Christ, we're identified with his death, but we have been buried with Christ. That's what baptism symbolizes when you go under the water. We've been raised with Christ in terms of resurrection into a new life. We have been ascended with Christ, and one day we'll literally meet him in the air, co-ascended. Now here it's talking about we are enthroned with Christ. We share in his authority over all things. Now, lest you think, we need to clarify the manner of this authority. Because Jesus lays it out here. He says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. It's interesting it says right instead of privileged, isn't it? I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with the Father on his throne. I would argue that the number one place Jesus had to overcome was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because that's the only place in his life where it records he was so in so much mental and emotional turmoil he sweat drops of blood. I can't imagine a more difficult internal battle. And the way he won that battle was by saying, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. So if he's saying, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he's saying, if instead of trying to legislate your own carnal will and your own carnal desires, instead of focusing on what you want, you lay all that aside and you get my heart's intention. And you lay it all down and you say, Father, your will be done. Show me your heart for Israel, even with your personal life. Show me your heart for my family, for my loved ones. Show me your plans. Something happens when the Father begins to reveal his plans. Because now you are coming into agreement with something that's written in heaven and you begin to function like those elders who'd look at the Lord to get their instruction from him and execute what he's saying. So I believe this council angel and power angel that I saw, I believe this is an invitation for you to step into the council of the Father and get his heart intentions for many different things. And as you get his heart intention, articulate it, share it, write it down, preach it, come into agreement. Because now, once you come into agreement, now you're stepping into that counsel and power. Jesus talked about it. If any two or three agree, it'll be done for you. Two or three agree, that's counsel. Done for you, that's power. Counsel and power in families. There's a few couples here, and the Lord wants you to come into agreement. 
in a new way. Because there's a time of shaking coming really soon. And you need to be in agreement because if you are in agreement, you're going to become an ark of refuge for neighbors and, and neighborhoods and other families. And if you don't come into agreement, what's coming is going to break you up and you're going to get shipwrecked and drown. And I mean figuratively. So Lord, I pray for families to be strengthened. I pray, Father, for the house of prayer reality here, for that angelic ministry to be released. And I'll, I'll tell you why the Lord showed me levels to that well. And we were talking about Jacob's ladder. See, there's angels that are gonna be released at these higher levels, but he wants to bring you up the ladder. And as you go up the ladder, and you're seeing more and more of his heart, more and more of his counsel. It, it's not about getting perfect. That's not what going up the ladder is. He wants you to grow in his light and his glory, like we were just talking about in Isaiah 60. And as you see more, you're going to declare more. And as you declare more, those angels are going to get activated and released. So, Lord, we thank you for open heaven over this place. I ask for a new burst of... Uh, fresh spring water out of this place, that this well would fill up with Holy Spirit power, with resurrection power. I pray for a planting and a flourishing of the capital B branch of the Lord in this place, according to Isaiah 11, that there would be the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Lord, let there be a canopy, a dome of protection over this fellowship, but let it extend over every home and then into neighborhoods and then into regions. And Lord, as they pray, let them be able to even install better than the Iron Dome, that dome of glory in over other cities and other regions. Let them be able to export glory, export healing, export waves of harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's been a lot said this morning before we just all take off and go eat. There may be some things that God's spoken to you as an individual about that really needs to be taken care of before you take off. One of the things that he mentioned in terms of even holiness and the whole thing of self-effort. Maybe some of you recognize you're just moving in self-effort. You're really not in that place of relationship with God where it's him moving through you. You're trying to work it out in your own power. And I just say this morning, just take opportunity. You can do it where you see it. You can do it when you, if you want to come up here. We have some people up here that'll be glad to pray with you and for you. Another one has to do with, he mentioned a couple of times, and that has to do with division. And what God wants to do here requires a yielding of us to a place of unity that's bigger than us. It's bigger than our own perceptions, bigger than our own ideas, bigger than our own opinions. And one of the things maybe for some of us this morning, we just want to make sure that we're not living in a place of, of judgment and criticism and, and division because there's too much that God wants to do here. There's too much that God has us here for to, to hold on to those things. 
So, I mean, I'm sure there's other things. I just want to make sure this morning before you take off that you'll take opportunity in this moment right now just to do whatever business with the Spirit of God you need to do. Couples, you heard what he said. Listen, we're going into a, a, a time now where there does not need to be crisis and chaos in our home. There needs to be peace. There needs to be oneness. So it may be that husbands and wives, some of you just need to have some dialogue with each other and say, listen, honey, I, I don't know what to do, but I know he who does know what to do, and we're just going to yield to the Spirit of God and let him make us one. So I'm just going to pray for a minute, and the altars are open. Ricky, if you'll get your ministry team people up here. And just before you take off, just make sure that you go ahead, take care of it today so you can walk in that place of power and freedom. They'll be at the back, and they'll have um, offering baskets. For those of you that want to share specifically into their lives and sow in, again, you'll just make the checks out to the gathering. But as you leave, you can just put them in those boxes in the back. So if you would, why don't you stand with me for a minute. Father God, we thank you that you brought this man today to paint pictures that we need to see to bring forth things out of your scripture that we, that we need to see. Father, not one-sided, but your side. And Father, thank you for the opportunity in this moment right now, without moving forward too quickly, that God, we just wanna open our hearts up and say, Spirit of God, specifically what you want to work in us today, we wanna yield to and we wanna say yes to. The Spirit of God, you're welcome in this place today. And we just love you and we, we thank you for being who you are for each one of us. And we thank you, God, that now in these moments, for some of us, we're going to step into a new place with you. For some of us, we're going to say yes to kind of what you've stirred in our hearts or maybe in some places have shaken us up. And we just thank you for the opportunity in this moment. If there needs to be repentance, a changing of mind, a changing of hearts, whatever it is, God, we're going to just completely yield to you. So if you want to come, you can begin to move now. If you need to, to go, you're free to go. Just give opportunity again to sow into the ministry that's been here with us today. So we just, God bless every one of you and a lot of good things coming up. And so jump in where you can. Amen. Amen.